Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm one half of Wannabe Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hello, Jess. I'm Craig Campbell. I own Nerd Burger Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games as well, and some dice and cards as well, and... Yeah, boy, this is, we were just talking before we got started here. This is episode 98, assuming we're yep. putting them up in the right order, um, <laughs> which means episode 100 is right around the corner. In the beginning of July, we'll be recording it, um, and we're going to do Q&A. So, Jess, um, tell us a little bit more about that and who's going to be on the show. Yeah, that's right. For episode 100, we're doing a Q&A, and we need your cues so we can A them. You're going to send those cues to nerdburgergames at gmail.com with the subject line, 100th episode or RPG R&D something that will signal to him that oh this is for the 100th episode of which our two guests for the episode will be Starshine and Liana so I'm very excited to have them back on to help us do some q and I'm I'm really looking forward to it I cannot believe it's been this is episode 98 it's going to be episode 100 soon it's a big event Let's um, let's let's make it a giant blowout. Let's have lots of questions. Let's uh, let's make Jess have to edit a very very long episode. Yeah. Um, or maybe split it into two two parter. We'll see. <laughs> um, uh, but who's our guest for our ninety eighth episode, Craig? Uh, today we have Sebastian. Hello. Hi everybody! Congratulations on almost a hundred episodes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Sebastian, you've been on a couple of times, but go ahead and tell us about yourself. Yep. Hello, everyone. I'm Sebastian. I use they, them pronouns. I am a full-time writer, designer, and editor of tabletop role-playing games. I work for Hitpoint Press, and I do freelance work occasionally. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I also love your shirt. You can't see oh, thank it. You. That's you. <laughs> yeah, it has dinosaur skeletons on it. Um... Cool. My friend Eric would heartily approve. Big dinosaur guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't love dinosaurs? Uh, we are talking today about character relationships, specifically GMing character relationships at this first half hour of our show. And I'm curious about why you chose this topic. Um, because I hadn't really, I don't think it's one that you've discussed on the show before. And I myself have played in a campaign, I've been playing in a campaign where my character was doing a romance with another character and I've since taken over like GMing that game. And so there's been a lot that I've needed to balance and I thought it would be a really interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about that. I'm curious. Uh, yeah, so it's a game of Dungeons and Dragons, fifth edition. Um, my character is a wizard. Uh, her name is uh, Temthuji, and uh, she's romancing this, uh, like, my friend's cleric, who is a dragonborn uh, called Vim. And so they um, they met what because my wizard is time traveling, and he like fell out of the sky uh, from from a portal, <laughs> I love that. Um, as you do. And uh, the dragonborn, because we're playing in the critical role setting, uh, the dragonborn is from Draconia, and uh, it fell to the ground, and he, everyone he know, uh, everyone he knew died. So uh, that's not exactly the ideal situation in which to have a romance, but it kind of happened anyway. And so there were a lot of discussions between myself and the dragonborn's player, who is my friend Morgan. And um, it's it was it was interesting because now I'm running this game and I'm still keeping my character as an NPC because that was what the party said that they wanted to to happen as well because um, this romance was happening and so I have been doing my best to see how I can involve the other characters in this as well um, without being obnoxious because otherwise I would not choose to have an NPC as uh, as the GM because um, I do think that that could be kind of obnoxious sometimes. Yeah, especially it's a character that you started playing as a player character. Yes, it, like, it is. Right? Yeah. So one thing that you said that automatically gets my brain going is that this has resulted in or has come as a result of a lot of conversations with the player. So are what kind of discussion did you have with the other player when deciding to kind of initiate this romance? Uh, the discussions were initially about like our characters' feelings about the situation because um, they they um, they spent some time together, but they both agreed that they wouldn't uh, do a romance. Uh, they both were like, uh, neither of us are in a good place to do that, uh, which was a very sensible decision on our characters' part. But then um, we thought, because both of us are interested in a spicy time, um, we thought that, <laughs> well, our characters could have feelings and struggle with dealing with that. 
and um my my character tried a lot of things to stop like his feelings becoming like Vim's problem uh she cast suggestion on herself to see if he could stop like with the with the order of stop being in love with him uh to see if it was possible um and didn't get anywhere with that and so she went to another character another player character to ask her to do the same thing and she refused to do that and instead she cast suggestion on him and told him to talk to Vim about his feelings so that's how that happened um yeah I love I love that is so D&D it really is yeah (laughs) I love a will they won't they like aspect to I I have also been in games where hold on I'm gonna restart that where I'm not coughing in the middle of it I've also played in games where my character has had a romance with another character and I really I don't know I feel like it adds this dynamic of tension in the game like there's a character now that I especially want to make sure stays alive it gives um like as a GM, you can use that as long as it's cool with everybody. You can use that tension to create terrible yeah. situations or you really can. situations. Yeah, and I think it does it does add a new dimension to dangerous situations, especially if you're playing in a game that has uh, combat. Uh, like the like like the cleric was uh, in the jaws of another monster, and he has a protective bond ability. And so my my wizard figured out that if she tried to cast a spell and target himself, then the cleric could teleport out of the out of the jaws of the monster and take the damage. So it meant that she had to hurt him, but it would get him out of the jaws of the the monster so he did that and it was very exciting to do so yeah it's definitely a high attention thing that you can exploit um (laughs) so what what should we do as gms Uh, we have we have two characters they've had this conversation players have had this conversation they want to have a romance it's cool with everybody at the table what are we going to do as gms to make this work and make it and really take advantage of this new character tie yeah i think um like being like first of all like being interested and invested in the, in both of the characters relationships is really important and also like beyond just being the gm like a discussion with the with the rest of the players about what is and isn't okay um the characters are having a sexual relationship but none of that ever comes up in the game that's an out of game thing it's just um it's just it's not part of the story and it's not like forced upon the other players um, but as the GM, like uh, I think asking about like what the what the players' wishes for the characters are and what kinds of situations they would like to see, um, that is always really helpful. And uh, if they have an understanding of like the situations that the players want the characters to get into and what they want the characters to get out of that, um, is a really important conversation to have. I think. I think there's Craig. some really. Oh. oh no, I was just gonna say, Craig. Sounds like you looked like you had something to say. <laughs> I think there's some really interesting things that can happen with all of that. Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking specifically about like a romance relationship, but it can be other types of strong relationships like rivalries and crushes and um, platonic love, um, you know, family member relationships, um, sorts of things. But, uh, you know, you, you you talked about like the two players involved kind of, Um, are on board with taking it that direction and the other players in the group are kind of along for the ride um, and there are certain things you're not utilizing you're not kind of playing out at the table or really dealing with but like I as a GM the first thing I want to do with something like that is like find a way for each of the other characters to somehow be a part of this Um, and then my mind of course to, to that extent goes to like romantic comedy movies and will they won't they characters on tv shows and you can have a, there's a variety of you know there's some somebody might be the matchmaker which sort of kind of sounded like it happened for sebastian with the character that cast yeah. the spell and said hey just talk to them um, yeah it, it did happen yeah it was uh it was very funny and uh my yeah my character also asked um a different character to the one who who did the matchmaking uh she asked him like what was the appropriate amount of time between first and second dates um <laughs> and uh, like asked for advice about that so i think um that was funny too yeah somebody can be one of the characters can become the advisor to one um what can be interesting is if you've got like the you know like the classic 
when Harry met Sally thing where you've got the, the confidant or the advisor type and one person has their confidant and the other person has their confidant and you can be playing the split screen of the two people having the same kind of conversation <laughs> with different advice being given by different people. And, um, you yeah, know, if, if, potential. <laughs> if, if, if everybody, you know, kind of just keeps in mind, like what those dynamics are like in stories where they're interesting. Cause of like the two advisors are telling the, telling the, the two, the two lovers, the two romantic people, um, the same thing, then it's kind of like, okay, well, they're just helping to kind of either put them, push, push them together or dr draw them apart. But if you got like s slightly different advice or different points of view, or like one person thinks it's no, it's completely this way. You should totally like talk to them right away. Like, don't let them, you know, and the other person says, well, you have to play hard to get and you have to kind of back off and like, let it, let it stew and let it simmer, yeah. let it get spicy and steamy, you know? And like, so then, and that creates like almost the devil on the shoulder, the angel on the shoulder. Um, for the two characters involved and do they follow that advice and where does that go? Um, and then you can have the bemused outsider who's just kind of like reacting to everything that's going on and having fun little moments as an aside, as they see these things develop because they're not being um, confided in, but they're aware. Oh, my favorite trope in it. Happening. My favorite trope in it is like the protective sibling. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, well, don't, don't, you don't dare hurt, hurt my Yeah. <laughs> I will That's hunt you favorite. down. <laughs> and in a fantasy game or any RPG that has characters of significant power, like the whole, like, don't you dare hurt my friend or my sibling, um, or I will hunt you down. Like that has real weight. Like that, that yeah, it does. Like it literally do does that. mean that they will hunt you down and become the enemy. <laughs> they but, have the uh, ability to do it. <laughs> yeah, it, it very much depends on your character dynamic. Like so far, like myself and and my friend have decided that the that the characters are having a very like healthy, respectful relationship. But uh, a lot of the tension comes from uh, like them deciding to uh, like make each other's problems each other's problems. If that makes sense, <laughs> like mm -hmm. yeah. But it doesn't Not. necessarily have to be like the focus of the story at all times. Um, but it is definitely like something that the other players can um, can have fun with. Um, we had a lot of fun like deciding how the rest of the party was going to find out because um, like Vim is a more secretive character and Tempuji is more like can't keep a secret to save his life kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. There, there are a lot of games I played in like where specifically there have been like links like empowered by the apocalypse game where people choose the romantic link for the character either yes it's like a, so like a bond um yeah it's like a bond building thing yeah or like the ex lovers one as well which can mm -hmm. it's very similar in dynamic like pe like exes who still care about each other but hate each other at the same time that's also that can be it's a form of romantic relationship a former romantic relationship um can also really work um but i've never i've never found it like when i've been a player in a game i've never run into a situation where i feel like it's too much it's going overboard it's becoming too much of the focus any more than i would have found like oh these two characters are best friends being too much of right. a focus yeah exactly so you know for the group you can have something in place where you just let everybody know like this is going to be a thing it's going to be an important point for the characters. It's not going to be driving the story or we don't, we don't want it to overshadow this other part of the story. And if you, if you, if anybody at some point feels like, well, okay, we're, we're doing a little too much with this. Can we just kind of back off it a little bit? You know, like they, they can just tell the GM quietly in private or something and tell them, Hey, let's, let's like next session, let's play it down a little bit or um, yeah, definitely. Make, make sure that somebody doesn't feel like they're getting kind of left by the wayside because everybody's playing the relationship game. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Are there any like specific questions or or um, situations to avoid or to actually go for when we're thinking about GMing with our character relationships in mind? Uh, I think that um, like regarding the point of focus, uh, making sure that all of the characters um, have like moments and have an, and have sufficient screen time because uh, the characters who are in a relationship are going to want to talk to each other a lot, sometimes like a lot in private, which isn't exactly the most interesting thing for the rest of the players all of the time. Um, like I'm very lucky in that the players are very, that everyone is like on board and invested and interested in it. But um, I think that like finding ways to let the to let the players have that their relationship like flourish and progress while um, keeping everything uh, fair for the rest of the for the rest of the group. 
um like you know like the the focus of the game whatever it is should still be the focus of the game so like if you're doing so like if you're doing a mystery if you're doing an adventure like um all of that happens and i think the players um mostly should just be going to the gm with ideas that they want the gm to kind of throw at them and then the players can handle most of that i think um yeah I like how you phrase that. Like, these are situations I want you to throw at us. Not stuff I would necessarily want to, it's not stuff I want to avoid. It's stuff that I want. And it, I feel like that's such more yeah, of a Yeah, I think tool. it's a more positive uh, way to approach things because there's a lot of advice that's like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. But that doesn't actually tell you what to do. And I think that honestly, the players that, um, uh, that are driving the story like we'll have a lot of ideas for that. Um, I love asking players what I want, what they want, because then I can, I'm just like, oh, that's really juicy. I can find a way to work that into this other idea I had. And then I can tell like three different stories at the same time. Like yeah. it's a good time. <laughs> I find myself thinking about um, one of my hate, most hated tropes of the TV show when it's done poorly only occasionally is it done well, is the will they, won't they, put them together, pull them apart, put them together, pull them apart, put them together, pull them apart. Um, you know, the tumultuous relationship. And, and if the players know that that's going to be kind of the dynamic, that that is potentially going to happen, there will be times when the characters are kind of on the outs with each other, and then they'll find a way to reconcile, um, and they'll end up back together. And you can play that so that nobody just suddenly thinks like, oh, this thing's just been torn away from me, and I had no control over it. Um, that's a little too close to real life that you maybe have gone through a, a breakup that you don't want to <laughs> try to, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but if you know that it's going to be that sort of a, a relationship, you can plan and kind of be like, okay, well, the, okay, clearly something's happening here. That's kind of pulling us apart. And we're going to let that happen for a little while. And then we'll find a way to reconcile. Um, you know, and it can be like the complexity of the relationship can be built in the complexity of, of real people too. Like it's something that, struck me was if you had a relationship between two characters where one of the players has said, well, my character grew up very coddled and cared for and never really got a chance to be themselves and be their own person. And so they want to be very, very independent and they never want to be rescued. They want to find, you know, they want to deal with their troubles their way. Um, but now you've got somebody that loves them and yeah. cares deeply about their safety and like how does that person react to like in, in, in a game like D&D or any other role-playing game where the characters are in danger like how do you not go in there and rescue the person um when the the danger is real um for the purposes of the character and, and potential of death and so forth or or injury or whatever um and finding interesting ways to incorporate like that sort of an aspect and there's yeah. you know there's a there's you know dozens of other ways that you know character personality can influence how the relationship will develop but that could be a very real thing that could make some really interesting tension and and have some really evocative and, and, and exciting resolution when like the character finds a way to be like i'll just do like this little thing that'll kind of help them but they still otherwise have to like kind of take care of their problem and take care of the, the situation yeah so i don't sure. feel like i i don't feel like i abandoned them but i also let them shine yeah, that absolutely. That also did happen in the same fight where the uh, cleric was being eaten by the monster. Um, because <laughs> yeah, because um, like the, like the reason why my wizard found out about the ability was because the cleric like dived in front of her to stop her getting bitten by the monster, and like that fight happened. And then afterwards, he went up to him and was like, "Why did you do that? Like, <laughs> like, <what>? like." <laughs> Because I love you. Yeah, and it was because I didn't want because <laughs> I didn't want you to get eaten by a big monster. And then my cleric, um, and then my wizard was like, "Well, then instead, I had to watch you get eaten by a big monster. That didn't feel great either." So <laughs> I had an argument about that. Like, that's well, I, you know, love in D, love in the world of D and D. Somebody's getting bit by a monster at some point. Yeah, it's everybody. Everybody has to take a turn. But like, that's how she. But like, he had to do that so that then. She could figure out how the protective bond ability worked because uh, she watched him do it twice and then was like, "Oh, that's how that works." So I will, I, I can use it, I can use it to get you out of the monster. So you know, it worked out mostly. Uh. Excellent. No, I I think that that like a, a specific mechanic, and we're gonna talk about design, but like a specific mechanic for that is so good. Um, and also like it, it's just the power in the motivation of itself like i don't want to see this person get hurt you don't want any of your friends to get hurt but obviously like there's a lot of people find like that special connection like a it's like a a lot of people put it up on the hierarchy of relationships their romantic relationship 
Uh, and also the other characters, the other players and characters are going to understand that. And it can be used as a motivation to keep a person safe or to go do a thing for them. I'm thinking of like um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series um, with one of my favorite character relationships between the two like scientist characters. Um, and there were several moments. It's an ensemble kind of cast where there's a lot of different people in their own relationships going on but the other characters in that show would often be motivated by oh we need to make sure that these two can be reunited because their relationship is important to us. their relationship is important to us as a group not just they are important but their relationship is important and you can really take advantage of that um i can see um I can see maybe some people in your group now trying to avoid either of you two being in any sort of situation where someone's going to be eaten by a monster because it's going to be a whole thing now. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be a whole thing. But uh, I mean, everyone at all times is trying to not be eaten by a monster. It's just very difficult when there's a monster in the dungeon that wants to eat you. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, now you just have to romance the monster. And be yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is, yeah, the ultimate solution. <laughs> um so what what about design what are some ways that we can mechanically or thematically capture the idea of character relationships when we are designing a game yeah so honestly uh I keep coming back to I think last time I was on the show I talked about Apocalypse Keys a uh, a bit um that is one of my favorite games that that has mechanics for relationships um, one of the basic moves is called, uh, it's powered by the Apocalypse game, uh, it's one of the moves is called Reveal Your Heart, and, like, the point behind that was to, like, you, 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 you do the move when you want to try to sincerely connect to someone, and so, like, depending on the result, like, your heart reaches theirs, or you have a moment of closeness but also weakness, or something in- interrupts or undermines the moment, and you have to, and you have to deal with that instead, so I think that there are ways to explore like relationships and in a kind of uh in an open way that allows for interpretation and it doesn't and it's not just like this very specific situation it's um when you want to have a moment uh that of of connection between your characters and it's something that people can very easily apply to romance yeah and that that could be a really versatile tool too because it's it's not just for romance um i think a lot of the things that can apply for a romantic relationship can apply to any kind of relationship yeah definitely like um and I, I do think that that is really the broader conversation like I just used romance as a kind of uh example um as a thing that many players would want to do but yeah really you can you can use it for like any kind of uh like sustained um intense relationship mm-hmm. which which are inevitably I feel like they're inevitably going to develop in a game mm-hmm. that you're pl- like a longer campaign, especially you're going to develop those strong bonds, but also there are ways to initiate that. Like I mentioned the links and the bonds in a lot of powered by the apocalypse games. Um, often there will be moves that specifically pull on those links, but not always. But if you really wanted to emphasize the character relationships, you're going to add moves that take advantage of that. You're going to say, well, you have a link with this character. You're going to, you're going to do a move that involves this link and you're going to resolve it based on whatever. So uh, I, I I feel like that can work for, for a lot of um, different games. I always enjoy making my characters, especially if we do a one shot, making the players decide how their characters are linked, whether I give them like a list of things to choose from or not. Um, I think it's just a really good way to start, getting them more invested in the characters and getting more invested in the story because of that. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when these sorts of things are, I mean, this goes toward GMing, but it also goes toward design. If these sorts of character relationships, um, whether it's just questionnaires about how your characters are, you know, have, have relationships with different people, or if there's mechanical benefits or implications um it's worth just kind of keeping in mind and and as a designer pointing it out as a gm you know utilizing it that check in every so often because some people like like you get complacent you decide like well we've established this kind of relationship between these characters and you know maybe the players feel that it's stagnating and maybe they want to kind of change up the relationship or they want to do something different or they want to um you know especially when you've got 
the tumultuous, you know, any sort of tumultuous relationship that's on again, off again. Um, or maybe, you know, like it, it, uh, if there's a point where your mechanics allow you to quote unquote, go to the next level, like, you know, whatever that might be, like, like your characters are kind of romantically involved, but now they're, you know, they've undertaken some sort of spiritual bonding that has like, like an actual like game world meta thing where their like souls are combined or intertwined and what that means for them um, as far as the relationship goes and what that means as far as um, a you know mechanically if there's like some benefits or abilities that they gain or they can they can always know when the other one's hurt they always know where the other one is or whatever the case is um, is to just kind of if if it's not built into like just advancing advancement of the characters like well as you advance your characters you can up, you know, can increase these, these bonds. Um, if it's something that's more of a decision based thing, a narrative based thing, um, it's important to make sure that it's explicit that you should be checking in to just every so often to make sure that like everybody's advancing their, their personal character story and the relationship story the way they want to, the yeah. way that's most uh, satisfying to them. And hopefully ultimately satisfying to everybody at the table. There, there are also a lot of games out there that are specifically for romance that if you're interested in building a game that really centers on on that aspect of character relationships, um, there are some that are two-player even, which I feel like... Yeah, that's like, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, yeah like Star-Crossed Star-Crossed, yeah. That's like always brought up. Um, and like if that kind of also gets rid of the idea that like, oh, we don't want to take away time from the other spot. Like we don't want to take away the spotlight from the other characters. Well, you can't, it's literally you too. Then you're good. You can, you can do as much as you want. Um, yeah. You can just point. go off. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I love Starcross. It has excellent, excellent design. Like touching, like the whole mechanic of touching the tower while you're talking is uh, honestly galaxy brain. Like, yeah, like literally <laughs> the romantic tension yeah. in the tower. Like literally that's how it's supposed to go. And finding a mechanic that that really represents, I don't know if you can do better than, I mean, I'm someone's going to come up with something really good. Uh, but like the tension building, the actual player tension building rather than just the character tension building of the, the tower falling or not falling. Um, so... I just I I love that mechanic for exploiting that. For yes. as for as designer Alex Roberts says, a game about two characters who really really want to but really really shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those people who aren't unfamiliar with the game, it uses a Jenga tower. It's two characters who really really want to but really really shouldn't. And will they? That's the question. And if the yeah. tower falls, they give in. Um, yep. And depending uh, on how your relationship school went, like that is like the outcome of the ending. Like you, you might just see each other once and then never see each other again, or you might just, you know, run away into the sunset and it depends. It all depends. It's good. Um, but for that type of relationship, that's a great example of one. Um, you can model, you know, uh, like, my, like I said, I, my most hated trope of like, put, put them together, pull them apart, put them together, pull apart. That like sometimes gets tedious for me. I love um, a TV show, for example, where we get the characters together and then they stay together. Hey, they have yes. a relationship. Um, they may have ups and downs. They may have trials and tribulations. They may have some rough patches, but they are otherwise committed and they work through things because they have a relatively healthy relationship just has to deal. You know, it just means two people have to deal with some things that, you know, we deal with in life. Um, yeah, and you can that's... model that sort of a, of a relationship in uh, game design as well, where you can just have um, when when those troubles pop up, like there could be mechanically things that your character just, you know, you suffer penalties to certain things um, or uh, in order to bring your character, like if you're mad, like Jess, if my character's mad at your character, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of of being the first one to apologize because of the situation. Um, we're still, we're still going to, we're going to work this out, but it's a question of who's going to cave. You know, I mean, that's, that's the tension that we're going to build. Um, and we're, but we're both suffering, like suffering penalties <laughs> in the process, but you know, whoever caves first and apologizes or, or makes the gesture or whatever, then that alleviates the problem. Um, but also kind of gives, uh, you know, like gives the other person upper hand for a little while in the relationship. And then, you, you know, you can, that, that's a thing that happens in relationships too, where some people, when somebody kind of 
has the upper hand and kind of maybe lords it over them for a little while and then finally decides, okay, well, that's not a great way to have a relationship. I should stop doing that. <laughs> but, you know, people are, we're human beings and characters are, you know, have all the same foibles that we as people do. That is the pitfall when it comes to like making a mechanic for uh, like a specific romantic relationship mechanic is that you can kind of fall into that pattern of, oh, it's transactional, even though it really shouldn't be transactional. Um, but that I think that works really well in a sitcom or like romantic comedy kind of situation where where that is kind of the point. Like the the point, the theme of a lot of rom-coms is who has to apologize or who's at fault. Um, and I think that can be a lot of fun. Um, one, a game that I feel like does, like really does a good job with like the, the like the actual mechanics of a romantic situation and the societal ramifications of romantic relationships is good society because romantic relationships in the Regency era, um, we're very transactional in a lot of ways. Like, are you going to marry to your benefit? Are you going yeah. to are you going to marry someone above your status and increase your your own standing and political and class and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. And the, I think the mechanics do a really good job of gamifying those relationships, making you think about them, and and rewarding and punishing for when you fall outside of the norm. I think that. Um, that works really well in that kind of relationship, um, like really strict societal rules for things. Um, I think it gets a little tougher. I don't know. Maybe maybe it just feels tougher for me because we're currently in this age. Um, I feel like it's it's tougher in a society where re- relationships are more egalitarian, um, less focused on um, – who has the hierarchy, who has the power. Um, who can get something out of it. Right, right. I don't know if there are... I don't play a lot of romantic games. I don't know if we have a, a good suggestion for a game like that off the top of our heads. Um. Yeah, if I think of something, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, even, even in a society where perhaps those, um, you know, social standings in class warfare and so forth aren't as prevalent where everything is as you say more egalitarian hopefully more egalitarian um there it can it can we can it can still be transactional if the players and the you know the game is teaching you the players and the players are agreeing with like this game is going to have these aspects to it and like if if somebody plays the game and says well i'm gonna you know, apologize immediately because I don't want to suffer the penalty anymore because penalties suck and the pen- and having the penalty is the driving force behind it. Well, then they're kind of missing the point of what that game is probably trying to do, which is to make your character suffer a little bit for making bad choices. And so if you're playing the game about that, 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 that this game is supposed to be, you know, kind of presenting to you is that like you're, it's, it's a game about where you do make bad choices and you have to suffer for them for a little while. Um, and and replicating that because that's something that happens to real people um then you let it happen for a while and you you eat those penalties <laughs> um and then there comes a point where it's like okay that's enough like we've played that storyline out just like if you're watching a tv show it's like okay the main characters have been on the outs for enough episodes um it's time to uh, to get them back together or to to at least you know smooth over this particular problem they're that they're dealing with. Um, so it, it does come down a lot to the buy-in because when it comes to something like good society, you're also, buy, you know, that's a game where you're buying into the idea that you're in a world where those things happen. So um, I think yeah. when it comes to touchy feely and emotions and um, character narrative versus transactions and, and, and penalties and mechanical things that like a lot of it is going to, a lot of the heavy lifting is going to be done by the buy-in. So, and I think another thing that I did want to mention was that it doesn't necessarily even have to be uh, just two players involved in like having a central relationship. Like every, like, first of all, it could be more than two players because it could be a polyamorous relationship, or it could be that everybody in the party has some kind of relationship with each other. Um, Like in a game, like, sorry, again, Apocalypse Keys uh, does that. Um, (laughs) Like Like the playbooks have like starting bonds and it's things like, you know, I love you, but you rejected me for my own sake. Like why? And so like, you know, you have to pick another character to have that 
with and then like each playbook kind of has something that you can uh, like that establishes strong relationships or past relationships and uh give space for all of the players to um, explore those so everybody could be in a very messy tangled thing and uh, that could also <laughs> be really fun and those bonds too they're they're a good way to kind of speed run the consent talk at the table too like we are all like agreeing. you know we all sit down and we agree to have this relationship between our characters it's like i would choose your character if are you on board with that yes okay cool we have this um history of i love you but you rejected me and said it was my own good like that's spicy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you don't have to do the awkward thing of like oh i I want to approach this character, this player about having a romantic relationship between our characters. There's something there for you to initiate that conversation. Um, it's expected within the game. I think when you have 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 a mechanic or even even something just like we're deciding how our characters are together and we're going to use these prompts, having something written down gives the players the permission to do things that might be a little more awkward because it can be it can be a little awkward to approach a friend and be like, hey, what if our characters made out without them thinking, about, <laughs> yeah. oh, that means they want to make out with me because that's not true. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I don't know, like if everyone's kind of an adult at the table and we're all yeah. on the same page, then yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can still, it can still be, it can still be awkward. Um, I just think that having something written down can really help alleviate a lot of that awkwardness. Um regarding like um like with the bond move that you were talking about in in the game that you're playing there are a lot of things you could do within your game that also exploit those bonds like here's a special move that connects these two players literally physically on the map um what are some other um what are some other like uh not necessarily combat moves what are some moves that we could put into our games that allow us specifically to to make use of the character bonds that have been forged oh like a physical thing yeah um okay so like i mean the playbook that i keep going back to for apocalypse keys like that one is called the surge and like the whole point of that one is to explore like um like relation like toxic relationships and then like you know you can choose a like another a character or like an NPC to be like your person and uh that is like the kind of theme of that playbook is that like you like the character is so powerful and needs to share their power with somebody or else it would it would be just so um uncontrollable and like that playbook is deliberately like disproportionately powerful uh than the rest of them and that is a thing that like um everyone kind of buys into again at the start of the game uh like they start with two starting moves um so like you know at the start of uh like yeah there's like the starting move is like at the start of each session choose another uh, player character to be your heart and share the burden of your power with them and uh there are just various things that you can do with that and you designate a person to um to have that relationship with and I just I think that's so cool and exciting um, I love that yeah. yes I love like sharing the power with another character and the the specific line the burden of your power um I oh gosh I love fantasy romance so much and that like <laughs> hits that hits so hard for me um you could do that too like literally have those two characters share like oh you're sharing like an HP pool or you're sharing you're sharing your mana pool or whatever it ends up being um having literal shared points at a table or powers at a table I think I think that, that could be a real fun thing to do yeah. in a fantasy game yeah, I think I think you could do it in a non fantasy game too. Yeah, like I mean, you literally. can do it in kind of anything, really. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I use something kind of like that in Nowhereville, which has fantasy elements too, but the characters aren't necessarily fantastical. They're just human beings who are dealing with an evil town with all sorts of monsters in it, um, and they can't leave. Um, and you know, a, a character can get can generate a bond with another character, and they basically become each other's best cheerleaders and 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 strength and confidence where they can share their spirit um like i can i can my character can give you as much give you spirit at any time as long as we can hear each other that's how it's described in the game it's like i i can i can root for you i can be confident i can you know uh, 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 encourage you on doing something and in the process yeah. give you this resource that you can now spend to yeah. activate an ability or gain a 
additional die on your roll or whatever it is. Yeah. And like a lot of games do actually have like built-in support mechanics, like um, like in Apocalypse Keys, bonds are a currency that you can spend to alter the result of your die. Um, in another game that I'm playing, uh, Aegon, you can spend a bond with, uh, with another character and you get an additional die to add to your dice pool. So like that's not necessarily like a romantic thing, but it does um, develop relationships um, and, and say how this other character is helping you do the specific thing. And maybe you build on like a shared history because you gain the bond by, um, by having a connection with them in the first place. So it's like, how does that help you in that moment? Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of games that do that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have anything to add to that. I like that mechanic. <laughs> that's that's my addition to what you said. <laughs> I like that. Um yeah, I'm and... thinking too like literally like the things I share with my like okay, we share finances. We share a bit of social currency. Like there's like literal real life stuff too, not just like I'm going to give you some superpowers, but like I can use the social interactions that he has um forged for my own benefit literally like oh they know this person and they know i'm married to him and okay well now i also have this connection too i feel like there are things you could exploit even in a modern setting where people aren't doing anything special necessarily yeah i know so and so so i can call on a favor yeah from this other person that like has a a, a good relationship with so-and-so oh and vice um, versa maybe, too they have maybe a bad can't do it too much and... yeah or yeah and, and now i'm screwed <laughs> like yeah. i can't i can't get i can't get anything that i'm looking for from this per from this uh this npc because the person that i'm close to um screwed them over or did something that you know just damaged their relationship and they know that i'm romantically involved or very tight with or brothers with or whatever um yeah that i mean that's that's another type of relationship we talk about. We, we, we've hit so much on like, you know, friendships and romances and stuff. There can be like negative relationships that to be a little careful about how you deal with that. So it doesn't transfer over into, um, you know, the players being angry and upset and hurt. Yeah. Um, that's a bleed safety tool. Kind of issue, really. Yeah. It's definitely a yeah. safety tool. Talk about it beforehand, check in, like know where your, where your limits are, but uh, you know, a, a good way to play with that without, worrying about it necessarily or it being less likely that it'll get bad on you is the the friendly rivalry where the two people really do like each other and really do respect each other a lot but they always want to one-up the other one like there's always like this little friendly contest going on um and so they will you know occasionally kind of mess with the other one <laughs> um, take advantage of a situation to make themselves look better to kind of one up them and say hey look at you 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 screwed that up and i saved your butt what do you think about that and they all have a good laugh and they all have a beer afterwards and everything's fine <laughs> until the other person then gets a chance to one up them um i did a you thing no i i feel like too even like if your rival is doing really well and people know that your rivals with them you by default are also doing well because you can't be rivals with someone who is not at your level yeah so they clearly. have to be it's a mute like you know there has to be some kind of degree of you are worth my challenging and worth my time there is a degree of respect there and so like I think, an acknowledgement of skill so like i think that's what like appeals to a lot of people about the kind of rivals to to lovers trope like oh, that's a good yeah. point because because if if you're yeah, exactly if the two people are wildly disparate in skill level and one person is up, up one upping the other person <laughs> And then that person's just a bully. Yeah. That like it's not a, interesting if I'm just vastly more powerful than you. But then if there's someone that comes along that has the same, if not greater, slightly greater power, then it's like, hmm, that's a challenge. Like that's exciting. Yeah. Um, I did a thing for uh, mergers and acquisitions where the game is inherently intended to be um like the characters are working together to kind of rise up the corporate ladder at this like over the top company where it's all backstabby. Um but I put in a rule set for PVP where if you want to like screw with the other players and it, the way it was done was um, at the beginning of every session, you, you, your character, you pick one character that your character likes and one character that your character really dislikes for whatever reason, they stole your parking spot. I'm angry with you right now. Um, and during gameplay and you'd keep this secret, you don't tell anybody. And during gameplay, you can gain a benefit when you're the person that you dislike when they fail at something, when they botch a roll or, get embarrassed or whatever, you can gain a benefit off of that. But the only way you can do it is by declaring that they're the person that you 
dislike and like uh, you know you have to you have to let them know and color yeah. and color the relationship for the rest of the session uh, by by you know haha look at you good you know smooth move x lax all that you know childish <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff and you can gain your little your one-time little benefit but now you've kind of outed yourself as like having a problem with that character and then like then the game the the rule is set up in such a way that like at the next session those might be completely different characters so it's not like you're going to be picking on the same person over and over all the time yeah and and with the good with the person that you like it's the same thing like you can reveal when they succeed you can gain some benefit in kind of in conjunction with them succeeding but you have to like tell them in some way in the game that you like that that they're they're your favorite person right now and that gives them a little bit of power over you like they could potentially try to get a favor out of you at that point um because you've uh you've decided that like hey this person's really cool right now and that's that's you know for the purposes of that game because it was all built around the idea of pettiness of interoffice politics um you know but you can do something like that too where you yeah you can gain a benefit but you have to you have to give up something that generates conflict or drama i'm getting all sorts of ideas i'm I'm actually reworking a couple smaller games i have to make into little zines that i can sell physically um that involve relationships like with nemeses and also with lovers like those are like the two for two separate games that i need to rework and i'm getting a lot of good ideas so i appreciate <laughs> just, yeah, I'm just writing down good. ideas yeah literally i'm in the background like yeah not everybody <laughs> listeners you don't realize that like before and after these conversations that we have that we record and let you listen to like very often after the afterwards one of us will say to the other one i want to make the game that does this thing now because you inspired me with this like that happens all the time so jess has given you a peek behind the curtain of how we just we just use each other for brainstorming inadvertently inadvertently no very vertently. sometimes vertently yes <laughs> Um, Sebastian, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Is there anything on your list of, of things you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to say yet? Uh, honestly, like I would just encourage people to do that. If that's the thing that they're interested in, it can be a really, really fun thing. Like I've never actually done a, like prior to this, um, this one in D and D I've never actually like done a romance where they play a character before. And, uh, like, as I said, it did present some interesting challenges for me to go from being a player to like running the game, but, uh, it can be really, really rewarding if you find someone who, um, is like, is on the kind of, who is willing to just get like the same level of brain rot about it as you really. So I would encourage everyone to try that if it's the thing they're interested in. It is fun. I, I really had a fun time when I played a character that was in a romantic relationship. I, I felt like I was able to make irrational decisions rationally. I was yes. able to do fun things to put my character in danger, which I love to do, and have a reason <laughs> to do it. Um, so, yeah. Um, Sebastian, I want to yeah. leave with uh, one thought, too, is sometimes, and we're pulling it back to romance again because that's where we started. Yeah. Sometimes romances burn hot and fizzle out. Um, so like if you, if you start doing this, you know, having the relationship and the romantic relationship and you have a little fun with that, it doesn't mean you have to do that for the rest of the campaign. Like you can, you can like, you can have its heyday and you can have like, then have it fizzle out for whatever reason and find a way for the characters to kind of end on good enough terms to continue to be, um, hanging around with each other and adventuring and defeating bad guys and fighting supervillains and whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't necessarily, you're not committing. Keep in mind if you're <laughs> like, it's it's a lot easier to end a character relationship than it is perhaps to, uh, or uh, less painful maybe to end a character relationship if it's played itself out than it is to end a real world relationship um, because it's, uh, you're, you're building a narrative rather than rending your own actual feelings apart. Although some people will find the end of a character's relationship to be just as, painful as the end of their own personal relationship there is a thing you know we talk about it with larping all that a lot it does happen in rpgs bleed emotional bleed where things carry over um keep that all in mind too because that uh that can you know that can affect you or other people involved but it can, it can be cathartic too i think mm-hmm. i think tabletop games and larps too they can be a really as long as you're you're being really conscious about it and everyone is on board and you're, you know, you're taking time away from it. They can be a very good cathartic way to explore um, different types of relationships. I know a lot of people have discovered that, Oh, 
oh surprise i'm queer because i (laughs) i was able to explore this type of relationship in a game um i i think when used responsibly it can be a very powerful tool and also forging friendships within the players as well and and strengthening strengthening those relationships too i think it's fun i love games as you know (laughs) i love games Sebastian, where, where, uh, thank you for joining us first. Thank yeah, you thank, for joining you. thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, where can we find you and your stuff? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sebastian UA. So uh, S-E-B-A-S-T-I-N-Y-U-E, all one word. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky Social under the same name. And my website is SebastianUA.ca forward slash TTRPGs, like, um, like the acronym plus the S. Like, yeah, um, that is where I am online these days. Do you have anything that's come out recently that you want to plug or? Oh gosh. Um, well, recently my my workplace released uh, the big book of big bads and creatures and curios. It's a big bestiary of like a hundred monsters and a hundred magic items plus um, a whole bunch of uh, bosses that you can fight. Uh, it's two different books, but uh, it's very, very fun. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, you can fight what is essentially a fantasy Tesla. Like I put that in. It's called a driverless carriage. So uh, <laughs> like like because I was writing that like when I was really mad at Elon Musk for buying Twitter. And I was like, you know what? What do I want to fight in real life? Elon Musk. Okay, well, like what does he make? Like, what do we hate? Teslas. Can I go outside and punch one? No, but what I'd like to, yes. Like, yeah, so uh definitely pick that up. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh... Um, you can find me on Twitter still at, at Joska, um, on Tumblr at, at Joska, and on TikTok at Just as Awful. You can find my games at wannabegames.com or on Drive RPG or Itch under the same name. You can also find me in real life at Origins Game Fair in Columbus in June. Um, I will be there with the IGDN, so you can find our booth there. You'll you'll see it. It's on the map. I don't know the number. <laughs> uh, and I'm at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter. You can find the website at nerdburgergames.com. The games are up at Drive Through RPG. Um, I'll be at Gen Con. Uh, Nerdburger Games has its own booth, twenty nine fifty four. Woohoo! Um, and send us your questions for episode one hundred Q and A to nerdburgergames at gmail.com with the subject um, episode one hundred or RPG R and D or something that lets me know it's going to be questions. Thank you. Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avil by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs. And thank all of you for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye.